Buongiorno from uh, Catania. This is Michael Russo. Buongiorno. It's yeah. not morning. All right. Well, does that mean? I thought that meant hello. Hello, Sarah. Good All right. We're off to a good start. Uh, <laughs> hello. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the Ciao. House. First of all, you always call me the fake Italian, but the word Russo is everywhere in this country, in this, on this island, and I haven't seen Lepanta one effing place. Well, it's, that's true, and you won't. Because when my family was here, they were called Delapanta. Okay, and I haven't dropped, seen Delapanta the either. Del, well, they might have been eliminated by yeah. some people. But the, the, uh, the Del was dropped when my family got to America. And I did, I told you before that I had done some research and found out that the most common surname in Sicily was, in fact, Russo. So we've seen Russo on garbage trucks and waste management pickups. And uh, we did see it on a bottle of wine. That was good. By the way, we have six bottles of wine wide open in front of us here as we're doing this uh, podcast from Catania. Uh, huge studio audience uh, from the Aquarius Home Services studio live on location here from Sicily. Um, and Anthony was smart enough to open the six bottles of wine, put it right in front of the stage for people to come and refill. There's fruit, fruit flies already. G just a genius move from you. Yeah. Well, actually, we had one of our expert guests was in charge of opening them, but I was just in charge of providing, making sure everybody's hydrated. Yes, uh, which you have done an and incredible job And the fruit job flies on. seem to only bother one of us. Yeah, that, well, they, they just attracted to the actual Sicilian. Um, so the, uh, that's, that's why that's gone. So again, we're coming to you from Sicily. This is the, the uh, fifth Russo uh, Defined Destinations Tour. This is the fourth Russo Lepanta Defined Destinations Tour, and we're going to do a, a, another one uh, next summer. Michael Kenny, the man that runs the show, and Peter, we've been discussions and, uh, and negotiations on where we're going to go uh, next year, so it's going to be absolutely um, awesome. Our next live show will be July 24th. Anthony is on assignment. We're going to send him to the Twins game that night uh, to work for Valley Sports I'm the North. lucky one there. Yeah, That's exciting. Uh, July 24th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. Uh, Jake Middleton, the wild defenseman, will be my guest for the hour. Uh, so again, July 24th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. So definitely come on down. So just, it's already been an incredible uh, trip to Sicily. Uh, four more days left on our trip. Uh, although this uh, story, this uh, podcast will pop on Monday, uh, we believe, the day that we're going to Rome, and it's 108 degrees there. Uh, but so far in Sicily, uh, what's been your favorite thing? It's been awesome. Every city has been terrific. The food's been awesome. The wine's been good, but it's the crowd. We had a great crew this year. And we've, uh, we, this is a, think about the people we have in this crew. I've, in the last couple of days, I found out we had a guy who used to fix code breaker machines in the Air Force <laughs> yep. during the Vietnam War. Another guy who, yeah, another guy who like helped design the software for the plane that we flew over here on. That's not bad. I also learned that Hagen Dazs isn't owned by uh, by Nestle in Europe. I learned that uh, this trip as well. It's owned by General Mills. Who knew? But, well, there's nobody named Hagen Dazs on our trip, is there? No, but uh, no. There, so there's somebody that's an irrelevant for, detail. We're, we're, no, there's somebody. <laughs> I think we have our youngest. No, we have a, a General ever, Mills right? employee that uh, that comes over oh, to France all the time. Okay. Um, I've learned a lot of stuff about that. That General Mills owns all of Hagen Dazs here in Europe, and it's different ingredients and everything. Probably a lot cleaner. Uh, than the U.S. Right, how about this? We have one of our guests had never heard of either one of you or I when they came I know on the that. trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she yeah. was very excited that yeah, I'm friends right. with the band Trampled by Turtles. So there yeah, you go. That's true. Um, yep. And as you will learn when you listen to this podcast live, the opening and closing songs are Trampled by Turtles, donated right from Dave Simonette himself many, many years ago when we started this podcast, back when it was the Russo uh, Suhan show. Um, have you ever been locked in a bathroom? Well, I haven't, but I did. I do feel right now that it eliminated one of my competitors for Husband of the Year. I've, I've won that award 10 of the last 12 years, and Brian thought, Brian Dahl, one of our guests, thought he had a chance this year, and I was there to witness his wife. Well, I didn't see her locked in the bathroom, but I was there to witness how long she was gone from the table before Brian noticed, and he didn't notice until she came back and announced she had been locked in the bathroom for the last half hour. <laughs> So last year, the first day of the trip, we're in Budapest, and Brian goes to the bathroom on this boat, and he walks right into a glass door. And this trip, like the second or third day, his lovely wife, Karen, gets locked in a bathroom, which made me realize that is why there are those alarm strings in bathrooms yeah, in Europe. Right. It's for the dolls. Well, and I thought she had some kind of... We did discuss it later. We think that she probably has one of those things on your iPhone that tells you there's danger, like you haven't moved for a while. So he said, in the future, just lay down on the floor of the bathroom, act like you've been shot, 
and then maybe somebody will come and rescue you. The, the one, I don't think it'll be Brian, yeah. but somebody will come. Well, well, the one problem there is that she didn't have her phone, so, the, so she was oh, like yeah. le- legitimately yeah. locked in the bathroom and uh, in a yeah. harrowing experience in uh, Syracuse, which is, by the way, by far so far my favorite city in Sicily. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so I wasn't real familiar with it, and we we've got a great guide and Peter. I think people probably know him as Hans Sauerkraut because that's what all this, I don't know how that came to be, but that's all the social media names. But whatever it is, Peter, our Austrian guide, who gives us all kinds of insight, European history and all these cities, and he's been telling us for about, I don't know, maybe four or five years how great Alchemides was, right? And the guy, this guy, like, he invented the catapult, he invented some kind of weapon that, like, picked up ships and smashed them on the ground on the water to defeat the Romans, like fire that couldn't be put out by water. But he couldn't keep the Greek soldiers sober enough to remember to lock the door, and that's how their city fell. (laughs) They had to, the whole town got drunk and partied, and they left the door unlocked, and the Romans got in. I mean, like, how in the world does this happen? And this guy, they built a statue of him in the middle of town because he's the greatest, he invented pie. Like, we wouldn't know how big circles are for out, without this guy. But yet, he couldn't keep enough people sober to lock the door and keep the Romans out. What do you think of Peter's jokes this trip? They, well, Don't you think he needs a little new material? Uh, I kind of like the fact that as he starts laughing because he knows the ending. Yeah. And that I know the ending, too. So yeah. it's, And I, we, he needed some help on this trip, actually. He's, we're getting him through technology because these jokes, for those that... We've got a, couple, a few couples on this trip who have been with us. There's a couple here that have been on all f- the last four trips who are on the buy five, get the sixth free plan that, that we are, by the way, we're, we're negotiating that for the couples that are here and we're working on it. They know that this joke book was, I, I wouldn't even say it was on like a legal pad because I think it was on the old like spiral notebook thing and the pages were so yellowed and torn and finally said we talked him into on the, I think it was the last trip to put it on an iPad. Yeah which was all great, it was a great idea. The problem was he forgot the iPad and had to have it shipped to us sometime in the middle of this trip. So technology can be your friend if you know how to use it. So we'll get, we'll get them going and pretty soon, I think, I don't know, can we get one new joke before the trip's over, do you think? Maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but the, uh, the delivery's worth a million bucks because even though we all know the ending, they're still funny. The best part is last year he forgot his satchel. At the first day of the trip, had to have it like take take a train down to us in uh, That's right. a new country. Uh, yeah. So far, this trip and then somebody whoever the guy he hired for like five hundred euro to bring him his satchel stole yeah. all his cash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> guy hit the lottery. And then so far this trip. You've you've lost your you've lost your wallet you you uh, you lost, lost your wallet the first night no left he lost his phone left on the his bus. phone on the yep. bus yep. and got us lost walking through yep. the streets of Catania. Yep. The, the other thing I've is, never been here yeah. before, and I know where yeah. my hotel is more than he does. And uh, but the, the cool thing about Peter is he's he's from Austria. But we love him so much, we, we make Michael Kenny. we're like, we're only doing this trip if you bring Peter to be our guide in Sicily, right. like as far away from Austria as you could possibly be. Yeah. And somehow he crammed enough and knows enough about uh, history that he's been just an outstanding guide, um, as always here. Um, w- w- Palermo, your thoughts? I love Palermo. It was a little dirty, but it but it was cool. Yeah, but the good part of Palermo is that you don't you just if you have garbage you just throw, just throw it. it out the window. Yeah, it was like a flashback to when I was about seven when I can remember people driving down the road and just throwing their trash out the window. It's amazing that that that's what they're still happening in this in the world. But the best part was we watched. Were you with us the night we watched the garbage guy come in Palermo? I saw the street cleaner, which I was shocked there was one. Yeah, we were shocked the garbage man came, but then we weren't so shocked when we watched the way he picked up the garbage <laughs> because he threw a bag in the back, about two-thirds of it landed in his truck, the other third landed on the road, and he just got in the truck and drove up to the next bag <laughs> and, and just looked like he was a, about as miserable a human as there was. But I love Palermo. I love the food. I love the market. It was terrific. The market was cool. Yeah. Uh, like it just uh, all these Italians like kind of yelling and just like yeah. like trying to get you to come to their little hut. Yeah. It was a little um, from an American standpoint where we have all these rules about like you know uh, you know proper food storage. Yeah, and I don't stuff. think there's any rules. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean you have like 
like fish dishes just sitting in the sun for hours. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know, that stuff doesn't well, seem proper. We saw uh, the market in Syracuse and actually had lunch down there yesterday and that was terrific. And when you sample some of their stuff and, and look at their spices and everything, it, you, you realize why the food tastes different here. It isn't necessarily because they're better cooks, but they start with these ingredients that are amazing. So for those that are in attendance here, that leads me, it reminds me, We've had a number of people that have asked on this trip, like, hey, I, what I just, I just want to come to your house for a Sunday dinner. So what we're going to do tonight, for those that are in attendance here, and we have, Ken even stayed for this year's podcast, so he's in the hunt. That was a change. Right. Um, what we're going to do tonight, we would love to invite the whole group to our house for dinner, but my table seats like 10, not 35. So what we're going to do is, at the end of the show tonight, we're going to have a drawing for three, we're gonna have three couples come over and have Sunday dinner with us with Michael will be there, Michael Kenny will be there, Margo and I will have a, we'll probably try to duplicate some of the meals we've had here. So we're gonna have a drawing for three of the couples on this trip to come over and have Sunday dinner with us. It would mean like some guests that have now moved to Florida would have to fly home for this dinner, but I'm sure he would. And I don't know if anybody from Atlanta would make it or not, but we'll see. You could bring your, sparkling wine but we'd have to make sure somebody else opened it but we're gonna so we'll draw it at the end of the end of the show and even those that didn't know who we were they're welcome to come over and have dinner with us yeah it'll be a blast so we'll have a drawing we'll have a lot maybe kowalski's will help us out with uh with a little bit of some great steaks or something that night we'll see how that works but so that we're gonna have a drawing michael kenny's gonna do the drawing at the end of the show it'll be terrific and uh for those of us uh for those of you watch uh listening from home i guarantee you we'll talk wild uh later in the uh trip because it's about 35 people in here that have wild questions so that will bring that up let's we got to talk about our uh, we so we've gone to two of the three wineries uh so far on this trip uh next one's tomorrow in our final day in Sicily before heading to Rome, where, as I mentioned, it's going to be 108. I can't stop mentioning that, yeah, by that's the way. Been, I, it was um, pointed out to me a couple times today. Yeah. It feels like temp is 112. I wonder what it'll feel like in the Coliseum. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's going to be a little uh, tough. But, I, you know, I hear that the Coliseum's uh, put on a roof since last time we were yeah, there. retractable, um, I think. So, Speaking of that, did you, were the, that was one of the coolest things we saw up uh, in Syracuse was the Greek ruins where we saw their arena. Yes. And their arena... I I'd posted some pictures on Facebook, but it was pretty cool. Like, they had these two tunnels on the end where the, the, the combatants would come in through these tunnels. They could be Zamboni tunnels. Mm -hmm. We saw they had seats. They had steps that went down to, like, the front row. They could be, like, those that have the access to the, the seats on the glass. Then I climbed up on top of the rocks to see where you and I had, would be perched to watch the game, like, as far away as possible. We wouldn't be able to see who was playing. But I think that could be a great spot for the Wilds' next European game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's talk about these wineries. So uh, incredible hospitality at both wineries. I know that we're, well, we, we're going to probably excessively talk about the second one in a second. We went to the first one. Um, uh, Fazio. Incredib incredible uh, tour that we got there from a, a girl that's from Honduras that spoke perfect English, that's married to, to an Italian girl, is becoming Italian next year. No, she's married I to learned... an Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and like, yeah, same thing, yeah, whatever, yeah. same thing. Um, the wine, though, from the, Miami, yeah, fact, the wine, I though, right. I could tell you that you didn't love. And you know how I told, I found out that you didn't love it? Because when I asked you about it, you're like, it's fine. <laughs> and Anthony, when he loves wine, he'll take a little sip and he'll be like, this is solid. But in your words, fine. So you didn't love that wine. I didn't. It was fine. <laughs> so, well, I always tell it, like, if if you if people really want my opinion, I always will tell them like, if you want my opinion, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. If you're just looking for somebody to tell you it's great, then ask somebody else. And only when it comes to the wild, that doesn't uh, that doesn't. Uh, hold I think that's true too. But whether it's food or restaurants or places, like it was fine. It was it was the the gal was a great host. The food was fine. The food was better at Valladolid where we went next. The the wine was better at the second vineyard, 
And the first wine, it was, it was fine. The, uh, the, the, the fine descriptive reminded me of when I was a young sports writer and I was covering a Miami Heat game and I was doing a sidebar in Mitch Richmond. And I'm leaving the press room at Miami Arena and I'm, uh, I say goodbye to Ira Winderman, who's still the uh, uh, Miami Heat writer to this day since game one for the Sun Sentinel. And I say, hey, Ira, by the way, what do you think of my Mitch Richmond sidebar? And he looks at me and he goes, it was adequate. And uh, yeah, it was like the punch to the gut. And there is not a time since in the probably 25, 30 years since that I have heard the word adequate and yeah. haven't thought back to that Well, that's that why moment. we use it sometimes to describe the podcast. Yeah. I had a similar story with Above Average, which is why we use it a lot. As I was the, in my early broadcasting days, I was working for the St. Paul Saints. Actually, this wasn't all that early. I'd been there for a while. But I had also become the media relations guy. Right. And so... Because it was, I was all about entertainment, I had hired my brother to be my official scorer, and a, Tom Linneman, who you now know, was our, my media relations assistant. And we had just kind of tried to turn it into like a playpen in the press box. The media notes were written for our own entertainment only, had all kinds of inside jokes in them. But Ray Richardson was the beat writer for the Pioneer Press at the time. Mm -hmm. And Ray was, he was a good guy. I don't think he understood a thing about baseball, but he was there every night. <laughs> and so one night, my brother and Lineman had decided to bring a karaoke machine into the press box so that they could announce the scoring of every play with music in the background. <laughs> so, they're, and they're, Ray Richardson hosted a show, I think it was on, it was a KMOJ, is that a station in town that was like soul music and stuff? He hosted like a Sundays with Ray or something. So they had found all these songs that were on his show, and they were announcing, that last play was scored a hit, you know, and they like, with this music in the background. So Ray all of a sudden turns to us, and it's going on for like six innings, and he just turns and said, you know what? You guys is above average. <laughs> so from that day on, we view, hey, anytime he's, it's above average. We were pretty good. Ray still writes for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Sometimes. I, I so. see him yeah. every once in a while. I don't yeah. think he writes full-time anymore. But yeah. And Ray was a ter terrific guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a good sports writer as well, and I, again, I, I think he's still there. Feel free to help yourselves to wine. Yeah, don't we feel get like the you're... fruit flies out of here so that Russo can relax. Yeah, exactly. And again, we got a chair over here if you want to come up uh, later in the show and ask wild questions. We're going to invite my brother up here in a couple seconds, and we're going to talk to him about uh, childhood Mike Russo stories. That'll be fun. Anthony will have a field day with that stuff. <laughs> I must drop the. I, I, yeah. I warned everybody in here not to throw swear words out here because right. producer Brandon would get upset. The only guy on this show in four uh, years is you. Yeah, I know. Many, many a podcast. So let's talk about the second winery, though, because that, what a, you know, the one thing, like every time we do a Michael Kenny podcast, uh, sorry, uh, tour, and we go to these wineries, the, like we, when we went to Tuscany, the hospitality that we get and the spreads that they give us, it's, it's unlike even stuff that you would ever see in Napa Valley and things like this. And so we go to this winery the other day. Um, you know, after, they had every reason to be upset with us because our bus driver, who's just incredible, knocked down all the lights of the place. Um, but that's but, really Peter's fault. He, was, he did the advanced <laughs> scouting. Yeah, that's true. Perhaps he told to let the, the bus driver know, yeah, hey, there's a clearance. string of lights hanging across the <laughs> this driveway here. Yeah. So uh, we get there, and the uh, sommelier of the winery for the last 20 years is sitting there waiting in the courtyard with a, with yeah, a bunch of Giovanni, staff. Giovanni, which yeah. he was terrific. And, and gives us an incredible tour, brings us out to the vineyards, shows us their 1905 <laughs> old wine winemaking uh, establishment. Um, and then brings us into this uh, barn that with an unbelievable spread of Italian, uh, you know, antipastis and, and things like that. And then gives us not just a wine tasting. I think pretty much all of us got drunk. We got so drunk that when I woke up from my nap, when we got to the next place, I wasn't drunk anymore. I was hungover. Uh, that's how much that one kid. That one kid kept on pouring you and I. Yeah, he, he was he, like not. He just, was generous. At our yeah, table. he was very generous. Um, but what a place! It was a great place, and the wine is terrific. We were bringing a couple bottles home. We're sampling a couple of them right now, having one of their whites. Valley Delicate was the name of the. Vineyard they Giovanni sell them in the was States. terrific. They do sell them in the States. Seventy percent of their wine uh, is yeah, sold in the States. Sold in the States. Well, the U.S. and Canada, you said, yeah. but it's uh, it it was terrific wine, and we found a couple that we really liked. So and yeah, the, the other great. thing that I'm amazed about wine here is like if you go to a winery in Napa Valley, and I'm sure a lot of you have been there, you you know you you're paying top dollar for the wine there. You're not getting a discount by being there. 
here, we bought six bottles of wine for 102 I yeah, think 102 like euros. And, and actually, he threw in the sixth bottle because he didn't have any change for me. Mm -hmm. And I was only, he owed me like four euro in change yeah. or something, but he didn't well, have any. So he just walked like over one. and grabbed a bottle and said, here, just take this instead of the change. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, Russo wine all over the, uh, the country. Uh, again, I haven't been able to find one. Yeah, I've been looking yeah, all yeah, over well, for Well, I it. can tell you one thing. I haven't seen <laughs> Della Lepanta anywhere. Yeah, I know. Neither have I. I haven't seen your name yeah. anywhere. Yeah. But everywhere we look, there's Russo, Russo, yeah. Russo, Russo. Look, I'm, I agree with you. I'm yeah. telling you, like, there was a reason why my, I think my family fled. I'm not sure why, but... <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's a, I know. I didn't even bother looking. I didn't want to admit to anybody. That, yeah. You know what was funny though? The, the only, when we were in Venice five years ago, the, one, of the, one of my highlights of all these trips, when my oldest son AJ was on the trip, we rented kayaks and went kayaking in the canals of Venice. Margot has a different version of the story because the fact that AJ and I went kayaking meant we missed the group tour that went on the gondolas at that time. So she took the romantic gondola tour by herself because AJ and I were kayaking through the canals of Venice. But we had a guide named Pietro who was awesome. And he's taken us around and he's, we're just chatting with him. And so finally it comes to be like, well, where's your family from? My family's from Italy and where from Sicily. And he's like, well, I'm from Sicily. And so what was your last name again? I said, Lapanta. And he looked at me, like immediately looked at me with this, questioning face like and I said ah. he said I don't think that's Sicilian I said well actually it was Della Panta back then he said that's Sicilian and I was like all right well that could be problematic for me with the way Pietro knew that right away but yeah so anyway I think my family fled they went to Calabria Calabria I love Calabria all right uh, let's uh, go to uh, sponsors and we're gonna invite Adam up here my brother to uh, talk about uh, me <laughs> Which is always fun, right? Yeah. Um, here's a word from Aquarius Home Services Studio. Don't miss out on this fantastic news. Aquarius is having a Connecticut Midsummer Mega Sale. Now through April 12th, Aquarius is offering 25% off any, non, any new non-electric Connecticut whole home water treatment systems. That's right, 25% off a Connecticut whole home water treatment system. Are you ready for worry-free water, spotless dishes, and softer clothes? Whether you have city or well water at Aquarius, we work hard to earn the right to be recommended by making your home and family's safety uh, perfect. Comfort is our top priority as your independent authorized Connecticut dealer. It all starts with a free water analysis, so call them today and get that free water analysis. To learn how to save 25% off and have amazing water, visit ConnecticutMN.com and schedule your free water analysis today. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. And here is a word from Moe's Tavern. Well, Moe's is a great spot to go watch games during the summertime, and it's located at right connected to Fogarty Ice Arena. But even if you're not there to go inside the arena, it's a great place just to stop in. they got a great menu, great sandwiches. As I've talked about before on this show, I'm a big fan of the pastrami sandwich. Check it out. It's on a pretzel bun. It's, it's terrific. But it's a great place. they got great people working there. I ran into one of their bartenders when I was down at the practice range a couple of weeks ago. And he was, in fact, that was right when the, was it the Robertson Cup that the for the, Tier two junior team, right? And so they were, they were hosting some of that, and they had a full staff on hand for it. It's a great place to go in and watch a game, watch the Twins during the summer, the Wild during the winter. Check it out. It's Moe's at the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. Here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Open a 5.25% annual percentage yield 15-month certificate from Royal Credit Union. Open now at rcu.org slash certificate 525. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 6-5-23. Insured by NCUA. All right, back here, worst seats in the house. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from Sicily. Um, happy to be joined by uh, my brother, Adam Russo, who is going to share a uh, microphone with, uh, with, um, with Anthony. Um, and uh, the one thing here is it's, it is really cool. So we have a, a, a cousin, uh, Fra Francis Fran, that did this incredible genealogy chart for Adam and I and uh, sent us all this stuff. And the one cool thing that we figured out is that we, so we were in Agrigesto, which is a incredible town, Agricento. right? Agrikento, which is 
where our family's from, by the way. Um, yeah. So he's, it's, yeah. It's, he's it's, the Sicilian yeah. guy. He doesn't yeah. know where the hell he's um, from or how so, to pronounce the so city, really but he's got like it. The, the Russo yeah. homeland is from, is from like Ribera, but it's between Syracuse and Agrigento. And um, she sent us all this stuff and like, it was crazy. Adam and I are going through this and all our family's from here. And we're, the whole time as we're planning for this trip, and this is my brother and, and his wife, Jamie's first trip to come on here. It's my mom's fifth, by the way. She's the returning champion of everybody. She's on the buy five, get six free plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she just learned that, Michael Kenny. Um, so. So the thing is, it says, so Adam and I had this fantasy coming into this trip that we we're going to reach out to our cousins that we haven't seen, and we're going to go get a, you know, all this stuff. And of course, you know, unfortunately, uh, we just haven't. So we're not going to see. I mean, I, I guess the, the good news of that is that none of them will ever know. They don't even probably know that we exist, Adam. I actually did reach out to one did of you? them. The day we were leaving Agrigento. Yeah. I'm, I'm not Sicilian either. Actually, when I... I'll help you guys out. When I was at the front desk, I... Um, I had a, I could not remember my room number for the bartender, so I had to go to the front desk. Just put it on Brian Dahl's room. Well, I could have. <laughs> I didn't know his room we've been, number. We've been doing that for five years. I, I didn't know his room number either, but I, uh, out of habit, I'm like, uh, my name's Adam Russo, and then I spelled my last name R-U-S-S-O, and she looked at me like I was smel spelling the word Jones or, or Smith. Um, but yeah, I did reach out to our cousin, but they were, they, we were leaving. But it's actually our third cousin. Wow. But yeah, he uh, he said Syracuse is on the other side of the the region, so he wasn't going to meet us. Yeah, I, I, actually, the highlight of the trip for me was when you guys bought the Jake and Elwood hats, and so later tonight, yeah. you guys are going to give a rendition of Soul Man, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is that so so Adam and I growing up, we were huge Blues Brothers fans, Young Frankenstein fans, Caddyshack fans. Uh, what other movies? We used to like. We used uh, to go Blazing to Saddles. Yeah, which Blazing Saddles. Probably inappropriate today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one probably would get us canceled. Um, but we used to do like you know like Young Frankenstein and, and Blues Brothers. We used to like just do renditions of the uh, of the like you know every line in the movie, right? So. Hold on. No, just hold it up. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Thanks for having me on, by the way. I thought you were kidding when you invited me on to your yeah. hockey show. Yeah, yeah. So Interestingly enough, a, hockey is probably my fourth uh, favorite sport, but uh, sorry sorry to all your hockey fans, but uh, so yeah, Don and Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you so, had heard of us, though, before. I, I, I did hear of uh, Anthony, but not my brother. Yeah. I, yeah. So, t so, so, um, so you knew me growing up a little bit. Uh, t t like, uh, like you, you knew at the beginning of my sports writer career, like me starting at f 15 years old and Lenny bringing me to games and things like that. Well, it started earlier than that. I mean, when we were watching uh, Islander games or, or the Mets games, Michael would l turn off the volume and pretend to be an announcer, which was very hard for the rest of us in the family to have <laughs> to listen to him as a six or seven-year-old. You know Everybody thinks they can be an announcer. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I think we were, Michael was 12 and he, he created a fake radio show with our across the street neighbor. Uh, Scotty B, on, uh, Scott, who's on Z100. Yeah, Z100. He's been on the morning new, he's been on the Z morning zoo for as long as I've been a sports writer. Isn't that crazy? He and I used to, we had this fake radio station, WMBR. Yeah, so initial. that's what I was, the story yeah. I was going to tell is the, they combined their names to M WMBR, but Michael's initials are MBR. Odin only got uh, the B in uh, his name, but somehow he went along with it thinking that that was, a, oh, this is a good name for a radio station, WMBR. But Michael was the lead host, apparently. It, and it's crazy. So I've been a sports writer for, since I was 15, so 30-whatever years, and covered the NHL. This going to be my 29th season. But one day I'm in New York, and I'm driving from New York, uh, from Manhattan after a Ranger game to Long Island, and I'm listening to Z100 at, like, midnight after the game, driving to Long Island, and there's a Scotty B on there. And I start having this recollection of me and Scott Bowden playing as a kid, you know, DJs. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm listening to him, and I'm, like, convinced it's him. And I call the radio station on my drive, and it's like, Z100, this is Scotty B. And I'm like, I'm like, Scotty, this isn't Scott Bowden, is it? And he's like, yeah, it is. And it was my childhood friend on Z100. I had no idea that he was there. And he and I met in the city the next day, went to Ben's uh, Kosher Deli, and uh, kind of reunited. And he has been on the Z Morning Zoo in the morning, which is the most popular radio state show in the country forever. Um, and he's been on it for as long as I've been a sports writer, 30-something years. Isn't that crazy? 
and you get to do a podcast with Lapanta. So, yeah, you know, exactly. You, got, you both, you both made it. Yeah. All right, so I got to ask you this, and I'm, I'll preface it by saying that I'm in the same boat. Like I was the worst player on almost every team I was ever a part of most of my life. I think I hit like 103 as a career little league hitter. But the story that we've heard about Michael's athletic career was that it ended as a like a. I don't know if he was an offensive guard or tackle or something, but he lined up one day freshman and all football. of a sudden the other guy, yeah, freshman football, the other guy was supposedly, like the way he tells the story, the guy was like 6-9-3-30 as a freshman in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like NFL scouts were sitting on the sidelines looking at this guy. But bottom line is that he, the guy was so big that he faked an injury and quit immediately. Is that yeah. accurate? <laughs> This does sound accurate. I mean, I, Michael didn't always tell me his stories. He would always tell us a different story. I think he might have faked an injury to us, not telling us the part that he was actually scared. But uh, we would go to his high school games, and he'd barely get put in. As, but he was an offensive lineman. But these guys were monsters. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it wouldn't have gone well, I don't think. Yeah, no. I, was, I not only faked, and that's why I never got put in, because the coach knew exactly what I did. Yeah. I, I not only faked the injury, but I was offside faking the injury. I was down. <laughs> like you were just committing penalties. On Colin purpose. McKinney, I still remember, was the quarterback. And before, like three seconds before he ever said hike, I was down on the ground holding my ankle. Uh, so I cannot believe I remember that. Yeah, a lot of guys get hurt getting into their stance. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, the, the, the other thing. The, so Adam and I had a very complicated relationship when he was in high school and I was in high school. So I am two and a half years, two years and three months older than Adam. But I was a sports writer. Two years oh, two years and nine months. Older than Adam. Sports so, writers really yeah. don't pay attention to right. details. Right. Yeah. They just throw stuff out there and, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Adam went to Olympic Heights High School. I went to Spanish River High School. My senior year of high school is when Adam's high school opened, so they didn't make the seniors go to Adam's high school, even though that was technically our, where I should have gone. And so Adam, in that high school, I was covering high schools, and... Um, you could take it from here, but Adam did not like me very much as a kid. <laughs> well, our, our high school was, our first Massive. year we were terrible. We didn't even have a senior class, because uh, all He's the seniors- terrible in sports. Terrible in sports. Yeah. Uh, it, we are our football team. So Michael got to stay at his high school, but our team was a little rough the first year, but then all of a sudden we were amazing. We won 26 games in a row uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And I can't remember if it was junior or senior year, but Michael had this huge story where he basically found out that the head coach, I think, fudged some No, great, it was the principal uh, of the, the high school. The principal, who had been on the coaching staff for the football yeah. team uh, prior to being named principal. Um, but he was fudging some grades. But, um, you know, Ken, as a lawyer, you know, when you have... Uh, personal conflict and an interest in something, a judge or a, you know, a lawyer might recuse themselves from the case. Well, Michael decided not to recuse himself from taking down our football yeah. team while I was a student at the school. Um, so Twice, by the way. <laughs> so, so one year they're 10-0 going into, into districts playoffs. They're 10-0. and 0. We have been working on this story, me and this other reporter, for weeks. I did not tell Adam that I knew that we had, and all we needed was the actual change of grade forms. And I finally had it delivered to me. Um, and finally, that's when we decided as a Sun Sentinel to, to pounce on the story. And we write the story. And it went, obviously, back then, viral. And the state disqualified, the state investigated and disqualified them as a 10-0 football team that was a state champion favorite, just ended their season based on an article that I wrote that showed them. It was a like, great article, though. But and then it happened uh, next time uh, with a, was it, was it also football? I can't remember, yeah, but, but I, I do remember you time. covering a soccer game after that at our high school, and, and I, they wouldn't I was in. sitting in the crowd, no, and I and my fellow students were screaming, I, I can't curse on here, F Russo, uh, well, you know, while I'm... Russo's curse on this yeah. show frequently. Yeah. Well, the rest of us don't. Yeah. Just I'll, I'll keep too. it clean then. But, uh, but if you remember, yeah. so back when I was covering high schools, I, I probably... Uh, broke three or four major scandals where like, you know, of, of stuff like this, like Atlantic High School had a coach that 
took a, do you remember this guy? Uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, Courtney Bellamy was his name. And he was ineligible because of grades. And, all of a, and they're the awful high school, Atlantic High School. Uh, awful at basketball. They were supposed to be incredible, but, but Courtney was ineligible. All of a sudden, they go up to a Christmas tournament in Jacksonville and win the tournament. So right away, my like, reporter instincts like, something's not right here. They can't win a game in our county, but they go to Jacksonville and somehow win a Christmas tournament. And so I call up the Jacksonville newspaper, the, the Times Union, and I say, hey, did you anybody cover this tournament? And I'm like, hey, can I see like, the game sheets from these tournaments? Do you have a photographer there and take pictures of this? So I'm looking at these game sheets, and they have a guy on their thing that is not even on their roster that played in this tournament. And all of a sudden, I just right away knew that it was him. And I, I basically had the Times Union photographer send me pictures, and sure enough, it was him. Write the story. Coach got fired. All this stuff. So sure. Enough, so basically, I became a professional, like sports writer, like covering professional sports teams, because I was getting like death threats with like, like I would go to a game and they wouldn't even let me in because I was like persona non grata and in Palm Beach County and uh, at Olympic Heights, Atlantic, a couple other schools as well. So yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, stressful growing up but Adam got to witness all that yeah and it's I mean it is impressive where you are I mean when we at age 14 or 15 he was covering the basketball game or not covering the basketball games he was doing the scoreboard the scorecard and then he was doing the PA for the basketball team and that's kind of how he got his foot in the door these writers were just so impressed that this young teenage kid was doing all this stuff and had a great voice and uh it is amazing that this is always what you wanted to do from a little child, and uh, not to get mushy on Michael, he is not very emotional kind of guy, but uh, I, I am very proud of him. Or you Aww. know, we're <laughs> you know what's funny is that we're one of the all proud of him, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah Anthony's <laughs> really proud. This is why Michael had me on today. Yeah, actually, yeah. To praise um, him. But actually, you know what? Uh, one of the sports writers that was covering high schools that got me the job at the Sun Sentinel was a guy named Dave O'Brien. He was the Palm Beach uh, County uh, high school writer for the Sun Sentinel. Eventually covered the Marlins, then the Braves for the Atlanta Constitution. Now he's the Atlanta Braves writer for the Athletic. And he's the guy that got me the job in the early 90s. Isn't that crazy? That is cool. I didn't yeah. realize it was the same Dave O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, Dave O'Brien. So uh, any other stories that you want to tell? Um, I just remember being at Shea Stadium as a kid. You know, I, we were all New York fans, and I was a Mets fan. And uh, Michael somehow, I think we visited Olympic Stadium in Montreal, and somehow he became an Expos fan. So we'd go, he'd wear his Expos hat, and we'd be at Shea, and they, they and were... And my jersey. They Remember didn't that care big... that he was nine years old, and uh, yeah, his, his jersey, and he would get booed in our section. They're like, you bum, get out of here! And, um, but I, I do remember uh, those kind of things. Um, trying to think. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I used to attack my brother in the hallways at our house. I, I just wanted to be a... He was the least affectionate person, and I'm the opposite. Um, so I, I would always try to hug and jump on him, and my mom would try to get me off of him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, it, you know, most of our fights, when we fought a lot. But yeah. most, Do you remember most, our first Europe trip? Yeah, well, that, that's where I'm getting at. But we... Um, <laughs> We, most of our fights were verbal, but uh, one time I, I think I pushed his buttons a little too much. This was the end of like two weeks in Europe of us staying in like the same hotel and room. My mom and stepdad stayed in their own room. We had our own room for some of the, some of the hotels. Uh, but it finally reached its uh, head at some point. Yeah, it was and the last day in, in The uh, last day where I think we were London. leaving. And then uh, I did, said something and then the fists came out. Um, <laughs> But I saw the fist, and he went to go hit me. And uh, I ducked, and my mom, who is not one to be afraid of something, tried to break up the fight and got a, a little punch right to her face, knocked her glasses off, and that's when we found out our mom could take one on the chin pretty, pretty well. And, uh, and it was pretty impressive. And yeah. she's like, you guys are 25 and 22, and you're still doing this? Um, yeah. So, like, you guys, you've made fun of me for years because I've always made the point, like, I've never punched anybody in the face. Mm -hmm. That was the will, only time I ever punched. And I've in never the face. been punched in the face. Yeah. And like in my whole life. And you've punched your mom in the face. It was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something I'm proud of. I didn't talk. First of all, it was Adam's fault. And second of all, <laughs> but just I imagine this. So, like, first of all, the only reason why that. City. So we were in London. The only reason why that 
city that we were all in the same room is that it was my beginning of being a sports writer and I finally learned how to get Marriott points and I put us all in this great room in the accounting hall Marriott. But it got tight at the end of it, let's put it that way. And, um, but I still, even though I'm the one that punched my mom, uh, blamed Adam for the whole incident and we somehow flew, took a car to, to Heathrow or Gatwick, it was at Gatwick at that point, um, home, two flights to get home, and we did, I did not say one word to anybody because I was so humiliated. I thought you were going to say you earned double points on Delta and <laughs> no. Marriott or because your mom had a swollen face and no, you figured was, out a way to yeah, milk was, the system. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's not something I was proud of. So, Well, thanks, Adam, for yeah. coming on up. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. So uh, that is Adam Russo. I will say we're like ten days. Well, not ten. Yeah, like the seven one thing I'll just say, trip, is, and you haven't had like you haven't had to call nine one one for anything. You did poke no. your finger on a cactus. Yeah, I know. And had to get a band aid, yeah. which was a major, major yeah. dilemma. And uh, Mr. Trotter over there gave me a band aid because yep. I was bleeding profusely. Right, that um, was a major injury. Yep. I will say something about Adam. So Adam's an attorney, and Adam negotiated my first contract at the Athletic. Um, and you guys might remember this because that's I think the weekend that you or you know you I can't remember yeah. if that's the weekend uh, yeah, you met Adam. Yeah, I was there. But um, so Adam uh, uh, negotiated the contract and found like little loopholes that he closed and all this stuff. And for a while, they were using Adam's contract as sort of the standard contract at the Athletic, and that did not go well for the Athletic. And uh, eventually, they came up with a new type of contract, and uh, that's what everybody no, started. No, if you using. remember, right? You and I talked about. It. I said if they're willing to sign, that you should sign it right now yeah, and like no, try I to don't. get them to so, like commit to three years at this deal. I think deep down, if you ask uh, the co-founders of the Athletic what they think of Adam Russo, they're probably not the biggest fans of the yeah. world. Uh, at, yeah, exactly. Adam's a, a, a good attorney. And uh, I remember this. I remember this negotiation. So, so I think I have the contract done. And but Adam just coincidentally is in Minnesota the weekend that I take the deal at the Athletic. And Adam has a uh, conference call with Alex Mather at the at the Residence Inn Depot. And we're in the uh, the breakfast room there at night. Yeah, I was and, sitting with yeah, him. Yeah, and Adam is on conference call with Alex and talking to Alex like he is like like another attorney that right, he's trying to... you came walking yeah. over to us and, and said, I, I'm worried he's going to screw up my deal yeah, I and I'm not even going to have a job at the end of this. I was sweating absolutely profusely listening to my brother talk to my eventual boss. Um, and I just remember walking away from the table and it was like a Saturday night. And yeah, it was, it was late. And the early Sunday edition of the Star, the Star Tribune is on the counter that's, you know, people could get for free is they're going to have breakfast on the, on the Sunday morning. And I'm looking at these Star Tribunes, listening to my brother, maybe ruining my, my potential uh, deal with them. And, uh, and I just start just having like a panic attack, sweating. I'm looking at the Star Tribune and I'm getting all just sad and stuff that my name's never going to be in there again. Like my last Sunday column is in that paper. And, uh, and, but yet here we are uh, almost six years later and it's worked out pretty they good. They didn't give you much of a going away party at the Star Tribune. Uh, no, my last uh, brief was uh, Orion Malone signed a PTO. That was the last time I, my name was ever in the strip, and they made it very clear to me that I was uh, the enemy from that point on. In fact, they wouldn't, they, uh, I feel like I could say this now, it's been so long, because I actually like everybody at the strip, but they would not let anybody at the strip like even like wish me congratulations or let people know that I was leaving because they looked at me as the enemy. Um, all right, here's a word from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. I wanted to tell everybody that it's summer and the weather has been great. Well, other, other than it feels like you're inhaling a chimney outside. Uh, but you know what that means. The summer selling is here. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not right, quite ready to sell your home, because you want to be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right to sell your home. That's why I'm directing you over to Chris Lindell's Real Estate Guaranteed Cash Offers. They're amazing because the market is competitive and they are in the home buying business, so their offers need to be really, really strong. More people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer should be, go to chrislindahl.com. There's no obligation, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Again, chrislindell.com or 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. 
And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Here's a word from Twill in the Adina Galleria. Great spot to stop in for some spring and summer sportswear is Twill at the Galleria in Edina. They've got some great golf stuff. I love checking out their stuff from Peter Millar. They also have Grayson and Johnny O in stock. Check it out as you're getting ready to go out on the golf course. You might want to look good, so you might as well, if your game's off a little bit, you got to try and look good. And for that, you might as well stop in, check it out at Twill at the Galleria in Edina. Back here, Word Seats in House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from Sicily in front of a large studio audience. Let's talk Minnesota Wild. Our next uh, live show is July 24th at 7 p.m. At LC's, uh, Jake Middleton, the Wild defenseman, is nice enough uh, to uh, be my guest for that show uh, because Anthony is working the Twins game that night. Uh, Anthony's got to catch up for being in uh, Europe for 10 days and actually do some work. We we need paychecks every once in a while in my house. Uh, let's yeah, start let's, off with uh, Twitter questions, uh, or not Twitter no, questions. Let's, let's start welcome, with yeah. anybody you guys welcome to come up here and yeah. ask some wild questions. Yeah. Who wants to start? Paul's yeah, been telling me up. all trip, by the way, yeah. that he's got questions. Right. But anybody can come on up. Yep. Um, you know, just uh, everybody know, uh, July uh, 20th is uh, Brandon Duham's scheduled arbitration. Uh, August 4th, I believe, is Philip Gustafson. Right now, nothing's going to be done. Uh, July 18th, if Duham's not signed. Uh, briefs can be exchanged August 2nd. Gustafson briefs can be exchanged by both parties. Uh, so everybody at home knows the way that arbitration works is that the, they, they pretty much know where the arbitration is going to land. We are, but I'm just giving, and we're going to set the table here. But, uh, How about if we see what his question is? Yeah, let's just Maybe set the table here. Maybe he doesn't have any questions here, about so arbitration hearings. Here. I just want people to understand that when the Wild, if they all of a sudden on a gust say, we want to sign him at 2-7, um, and they go 4-4, four, four, the other side, that that is just the way it works in arbitration. They give two vastly things. Both sides know it's not going to get that high or that low, but that's where they go. And then the hope is that the arbitrator is going to come in there. All right, Paul, you're, right, you're, you're first up at the plate I got, here. I got a few. All right. But first, let's talk about my, my, uh, one of my favorite players, Matt Boldy. Yes. You know, he had a sophomore slump first four months of the season. Right. Uh, you know, you, you hit the breakaway and he, he couldn't finish, you know, kind of kind of like Z- Jason Zucker in his day. Uh, but then Jojo showed up and all of a sudden he's the next Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's storing, scoring more than than uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, what does Jojo have that that uh, Boldy needs? And do we are we going to see this next season? Well, I think we will. But uh, two things I'd say to that is one, his numbers were pretty good even when he was in his sophomore slump but then the second thing is keep in mind that the other thing when he hit his resurgence with Johansson was also when Kaprizov went out and he was able to carry the load but that's we talked about this I think it was on last show that when you look at the wild roster a lot of people look at it and say yeah how do you expect you're going to win next year when you basically have the same roster as last year and that wasn't good enough Johansson's the one guy I always say that he is a difference he wasn't with the team at the start of last year. And so he, even though it wasn't a trade or a, a free agent signing this summer, they, they have him in the fold this year and he wasn't there last year. I, I, I think that's a huge, it sometimes gets overlooked when they look at, when you look at, okay, how, what does the roster look like compared yep. to last year? He's the big difference yeah. that's in And Johansson, Boldy, and Eric Snack are gonna start next year as a line because they were so good together. But to get to your point on Boldy, He's just got to go to the net. Like in the playoffs, you know, he, you know, in the regular season, you get away with stuff that you can't in the playoffs. And if you watch the way a lot of guys score in the playoffs, they just have guts of steel and just go right well, to the net. Yes, but remember, Erickson Eck wasn't in the lineup yes, in the playoffs. But it's so still that, up to Boldy. If you want to be this, he's the second highest paid player on the yeah, team now. It, right. Seven million kicks in next year. He's got to be a difference maker. He was in the regular season. Now he's, you know, he's got. You can't hide the numbers that he's got. What one goal in the playoffs in his right. career, right? He, and he's and all. 
all, yeah, the only thing I, that's what I, the point I was making is that part of his struggle in the playoffs was because he lost his centerman. 100%. And if you remember, Kirill Kaprizov in his first playoff didn't do anything. Then the second playoff, he was great. And I, maybe we'd have seen the same from Boldy if he's playing with his normal mm -hmm. centerman. Yep. Okay, I'm a numbers guy. I live on cap friendly. So am I. Yeah, I live on cap friendly. How are the teams that are way over the cap, especially Toronto, get, going to pare down their roster and, and to get it? I look at, at Toronto's you know, roster, potential roster, and it's $4 million over the cap. How are they going to do it? Probably banking on somebody getting hurt. Yeah, but <laughs> hurt. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that still think that Nylander is going to get hurt. But the other thing is, like, you know, uh, uh, Toronto invented Robida Island, right? I mean, there's very likely that somebody's going to get sent to, to, to the other Toronto, the Marlies, and they're going to do that. You know, it's very likely that the Wild are going to have to do that. Like, would it shock any of us if John Merrill at some point winds up on waivers and plays times in my... The, the Wild right now, unless they're going to trade a player, they are really they were an injury away in camp of of also being in a pickle um so i did i just think that you're going to see a lot of teams this year that are in cap hell um put nhl guys in the minors uh to to because especially a guy like merrill where you'd only have maybe like 115 count against and the cap i don't think anybody's going to claim them no. if they put them on waivers and the, but the reeve signing in toronto made so little sense to me. I, I, I mean, I understand why they wanted a guy that was going to make them bigger and stronger, but three years, I, I, that, it's the best deal the Wild passed on. Right. Who's up next? Uh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. This is who I wanted, by the way, to co-host the show. Does everyone have their passport? <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. All right. This so is Brian Dahl, the man who left a forehead print on a window in Budapest. Yeah. And actually, when I just looked at these doors, this is a good candidate. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. And it, when you and when you walk in the front door, the doors open at you. I got three to one says you get hit in the head with a door before this, this stay-in is over. Probably going to happen. <laughs> so for the at home, the inside joke is that our, our, the day we're leaving Palermo for, uh, for where were we going? Agri 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 where are your yeah. families from? Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> We were, we were about 20 minutes on our, our route when all of a sudden Peter came to the back of the bus and says, Mary Jo, did you forget something? And poor Mary Jo left her passport at the hotel, and uh, we pulled over the bus, waited for about 20 minutes. Taxi cab came and met us with the box with, at the bus with Mary Jo's passport. Uh, 50 euros later, uh, we were on our way. So uh, there you go. So and now it's become you know the what joke. You, the lesson the, you should have yeah. learned, though, is you just charge that cab to Brian's room, and then everything's good. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a question, or are you just up here to? I just <laughs> thought I'd have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Get up the stuff away from Russo, because the fruit flies apparently they they can bite, and a holy yeah. you might have to call nine one one. I hope there's no bees. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, what do you think of Rosario, our other tour guide? Oh, he had some great jokes, really <laughs> fun. He always knew where we were going, too, didn't he? He knew where the hotel was at all times. <laughs> he seemed to have his stuff together. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, you know what we haven't talked about today is the, um, is the uh, volcano. And uh, so we go, we go up to Mount Etna. We're up there. We're on this tour. A bunch of us are on, like, top of this one little crater. And all of a sudden, I realize that Brian is missing, like, nowhere to be found. And I got a little nervous that maybe Brian was pushed off by Karen. Into the lava. Yeah, exactly. I do have a hockey question. Okay. So you... So, so our forecheck, you think we're going to run a 2-1-2 or a 1-3-1, or how are we going to do that? Anthony? Yeah, I'll see. I'll worry about uh, that in about October. I don't really have anything to do until October. Then all I need to know is who's playing that night. Brian's original yeah. question when he came up here was if the Wild were going to sign Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and says never plays another game in National You know, I, I played golf with Brian a couple of weeks ago, and he's the first guy I've ever played with that had to had to be carted off after like the last four holes. <laughs> he just gave up. Oh, this, we were walking for 14 holes maybe, and all of a sudden I look over, he's just riding off the back of a cart, pulling his clubs behind him. <laughs> he had had it. Horace? Hello. Hey, I, I how are you? Another, uh, you know, we said we'd kind of... I remember when you were a Minnesotan. Yeah, I know. Moved to Florida. Anyway, so we said we'd kind of... Uh, pick on people not here. So my better half, Trisha's not here. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's, she hasn't been here all trip. <laughs> Have any of you guys met Trisha? She occasionally is on the bus and then just seems to disappear. So I don't, I don't know if you remember, last year Trisha got locked in one of the museum bathrooms. <laughs> it was like another 20-minute missing in action deal. I was not a husband of the year award either. <laughs> well, I, I, you guys have no chance. I've told, I'm not kidding when I say I've won it 10 out of the last 12 years. Margo hasn't nominated me for it yet. Somebody else must. By the way, another pitch for Michael uh, Kenny. Uh, this defined destination is just a blast, and it's our second year, and we just love it. So good job by all of you. Yes. But my question for Michael is... Uh, trying to figure out how to ask this, but you have, you must have had adversarial relations, uh, relationships with players who turned into managers or, or uh, in media, and conversely, you must have had ad, uh, good relationships with a player that turned into a manager or, you know, someone in, in yep. scouting or management. And I'm wondering if you have a good story of how that relationship, uh, the good to the bad or the bad to the good? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I'll, I'll be honest, like Beezer and uh, John Van Beesberg and I did not get along in Florida uh, for a while. There's one incident that uh, I think uh, I think about a lot. Um, and uh, But, you know, now he's the head of USA Hockey, and he and I, you would never know that it happened. There's a scout in the game right now that works for a team that he and I did not get along when uh, he was a player on the Panthers. Um, there's one incident that... Every time I'm talking to him, I know he's thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. There's a time he accused me of misquoting him and I played the tape. And, um, and now he and I are tight. Um, you know, the, the ones that I love, I mean, what I love now is I have so many people that I've covered that, uh, that work in the game um, as GMs. I mean, you know, like, like one of the, my, my favorite things is like Tom Fitzgerald. You know, it just like, like honestly, every time I talk to Tom, there's like this mutual pride in each other that he, you know, was a player that was probably the guy that I was tightest with on the Panthers, and he's now GM of the Devils, where same thing, like, you know, I was somebody that got along with him, and here I am 29 years later still covering the league. Um, those are the ones, and there's so many of those in the game right now, and there's something about those, those parent, like, there's a dozen guys from that Panther team that are GMs, announcers, scouts, um, you know, coaches, uh, it, it's, and there is this bond. I ran into Stu Barnes and Jody Hull on the street of Nashville, and it was like, it was like it was yesterday that I covered them. And it was, we're talking the mid-90s, late-90s, right? Um, so, uh, you know, there, there is, like, I don't know, as I get longer in, the, in this job, and, I, and as I, you know, again, next year is my 29th season, uh, Tim Wallach's number, um, and as you get to the 30, there, there's a pride that I've done this as long as I have in this sport, um, and, and that, and there's so many people that I've known for, you know, the number of times, like Rick Dudley and I are on the phone the other day and we're like, we've known each other for 30 years. It's just a, it's really a, a cool thing. Well, the only thing I'd add to that is that there's, and I don't have the longevity that you do at, at this point in, in the NHL, but it's amazing every time that you start to get a, a good relationship with a general manager or a coach, in the back of your mind, you you had a pretty good idea they're going to be fired before you are, or at yeah. least you hope they're going to be fired before you are. I guess yeah. that and I mean, but the truth is, yeah, I mean, we're even in the last. I've been doing wild games now for 13 years, and we've had three GMs and four coaches, and it's it's crazy because each time you you start to really get that relationship and rapport, you know that they're a losing 10 out of 12 yeah. away from some changes coming. It's the toughest part of, the, of my job, but that's the one thing that, that I always know, especially if I don't get along with a player or a coach or a GM, is I, I, I know 
that, you know, there has not been a coach, a GM, an owner, a player in my entire career that I didn't outlast. I mean, that's just a fact. And so, uh, you know, the, so that's sometimes what gets me through those, those stressful situations when you are in those, you know, I was telling a kid the other day um, that I was talking to, giving him advice on this business, and he was asking me how you, get, how, how you deal with those type of situations when it gets combative. And, that, and, and as Anthony could attest, the average fan has no idea that behind the scenes, the amount of fires that I have to put out on a daily basis, the needless stress and, and things like that. But it, as long as you do this job long enough and you do it well and with respect, you know at the end of the day that you're going to be able to continue and thrive. I don't know if that made sense. But there's one player on the wild that he and I, as when he was a player on the wild, he and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of things, didn't have a great relationship. And now he's in the broadcasting game. And, you know, if you saw us out, you know, at times when he's calling games, you'd think that we were besties when he covered when he was on the wild. So, I mean, that's just the way it works, right? And I think sometimes when players that that didn't understand the media when they were a player gets into the broadcasting game, suddenly they have a new appreciation and respect level for understanding where our jobs come from. You asked the best question, by the way, and uh, when we went down to Agrigento when we were up in the like the uh, the. Um, by the way, we're talking. <laughs> People at home don't even know. All right, just go. What was my remember? Question remember, you asked the uh, you asked like why you are like why are there why are there temples? You asked that to the tour guide, temples, and, and like it was so elementary, and his answer was so great that it made me understand everything. Yes, so, I did ask yeah. that question, but so. now I mean I have I understand so much about cap space and all that, <laughs> but um, you know, and I love the wild. Concerned a little bit about Dumba. Where is he landing? But I don't know if I really care. But what I really care about <laughs> is... How much... About it. I'm concerned right. about it, but I really don't care. Yeah. What I really am... Is there a chance that you've had a lot of wine tonight? Is no. there? Oh. What I really want to know is I've done a lot of research on Anthony's history getting into broadcasting. And I, I would like to hear a little bit more about the ringettes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's where you really broke into hockey broadcasting. Yeah. Well, it's it's close to that. The ringettes makes it sound that's like sounds like a dance team or something, doesn't it? But it was it was the sport. The sport was called ringette. It was they weren't the ringettes. Yeah, go sports. It was the. Um, it actually, I, I shared the story with a few that were at uh, one of the post-dinner bars the other night. It was the one point in my broadcasting career that I seriously wondered on my way home if I had made the right career choice. Mm -hmm. I did the World Ringette Tournament at Wakota Arena in South St. Paul on tape-delayed local cable television. I made $33 to do the game which I had negotiated up from 30, which is what they originally offered me. And the, the, the only reason, ringette was, for those who weren't there, ringette was the precursor to women's hockey. They played it with a broom handle on ice, and the puck was like a rubber ring the size of, I don't know, maybe two pucks. I have no idea any of the other rules of the game. And when they asked me to do it, I said, yeah, I'll do it. They said the US ringette association or whatever the hell they were called, they'll provide an analyst. And the US was only in it because they were hosting. So the four teams were Sweden, Czechoslovakia, and Russia. And the first night, the first game is the Russians against the Czechs, and it's like eight to six or something like that. Second game is the US against Sweden. And the US lost like 20 something to one. I don't remember what it was, but it was so bad that the next night when I drove down there to do the championship game, my color analyst didn't show up because she was so disgusted with the, how the U.S. team had played the day before, she didn't come. So I'm doing the championship game with Sweden against, I think it was Russia in the championship game. Nobody spoke English on either side. I didn't know any of the rules of the game. The whistle would blow, and I was like, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. What's going to happen next? And I got in my car driving home, and I was like, I had dreams from the time I was eight of doing, like, Stanley Cup playoff games and World Series games. Here I am coming home from the World Ringette Tournament that nobody's going to watch. I did it by myself on tape delay. Maybe this isn't the career for me. And the only thing I shared with everybody else was that I didn't share that with Margo when I got home because at that point, if I would have 
hinted at the fact that I was concerned. She said, do it, go some, do something else. <laughs> All right. You have a my question. Fa- my favorite Karen? part of uh, Margot is that she watches every single wild game, and it's only because she's so worried that you're going to say something and get fired. Oh, uh, Margot, you like? I know. So it doesn't take very long on these trips for everybody to realize that they like Margot more than they like me. Probably than they like either one of us. But definitely me. And, yeah, and and she's Margot's the best. She is the most critical watcher of wild play-by-play guys in the history of television. It is. Crazy the number of times. So, did you screw up four minutes left in the second period when you said this guy had the puck on the right? Holy cow, Margo. Half the time I defend it, the other half I just, I have no recollection of the play you're talking about. But it is, uh, she, part of it's because she wants to make sure I don't say something stupid. Yeah. And um, part of it is that she's become an astute hockey fan. She won't admit it, but she is. Yeah. Counselor? All right, briefly back to hockey. Um, so first of all, uh, is Faber really up to be able to play top four minutes? Yes. Okay, good, because uh, we need it. And second, By the way, if you didn't hear, Anthony said yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anthony doesn't have the mic right now. Oh, that's right, okay. No. I can tell you right now that if you asked anybody on the Wild coaching staff or probably front office, they would tell you that Brock Faber right now is better than Matt Dumba. That's what they believe. I believe that as well. Okay, now, as among some of the rookies who are trying to make the team, Walker, Beckman, Damon Hunt, et cetera, who's the most likely to be able to be on the roster when the season starts? Vinny Letary. <laughs> I mean, based on his contract. Oh. Um, you know, that extra, like, one... They're so tight against the cap that that 70 or 80 grand that he makes less than those people. And um, don't think smart. that that wasn't specifically yeah. on the mind of ben that con- of when, yeah. when they negotiated it. They've done a terrific job with him really for the last three years. He's probably the highest paid player in the American Hockey he League. Is. And is always willing to say, I'll take a little bit less than everybody else in the NHL, yeah. knowing I'm going to spend 74% yeah. of the year in the American Hockey League anyway. He's the highest paid player in the American Hockey League on an NHL deal. So there are players that are on AHL only deals. They make more, but he's 550 guaranteed the last couple of years. But to your point, um, you know, if Walker and Beck, Walker and Beckman are going to get options, get opportunities this year, there's just the way that the roster is set up. There's no doubt. I hope that they do get a, a chance to make the team. A lot will depend on injuries and training camp. Um, you know, very rarely does team get uh, through training camp um, completely healthy. Any more questions before we wrap up the show and uh, go All to our, our bottles of wine are empty? It looks like. Oh wow! But, but, but Adam Russo has a question. This is wow. gonna, this is going to be good. Who's mom's favorite player, and how much do you love when she talks hockey with you? Uh, that's a great question. Mom's favorite player is anybody that the fans, like, rip, because she's got a huge heart. So, like, she really, like, the Matt Dumbas, um, like, like uh, who are some of your others that you just, like, there are so many players that, that fans are critical of that she is a huge fan of because of that. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest. Uh, the that would thing, be my the, answer. The, she was no, a huge, is, huge Matt Dumba fan. She's not a bigger fan of anybody than Michael Russo. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's <laughs> what about my brother Adam Russo? Is he? No, so- <laughs> I'm, no, no, no. I mean, I'm talking like in the sports world. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm talking in the sports world. Yeah. yeah. Let's no, be honest, I, Jamie, Adam's wife, is the favorite. Yeah. Uh, I don't doubt that for a yeah, minute. Yeah, absolutely. Any other questions? We're going to wrap up. No, that's yeah. it. All right, everybody, go it's because awesome the wine dinner. bottles are empty. Yep. Again, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, again, uh, July 24th at 7 p.m. is our next live show. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, really, really cool that Jake Middleton has agreed uh, to come to the show at LC's. 7 p.m. at LC's, July 24th, uh, uh, will be my guest with Anthony working the Twins game uh, that night. Thanks to our sponsor, just coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio here in uh, Catania, Sicily. Uh, right before the end of our trip, before we go to Rome. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your installer of Connecticut water treatment systems, plumbing, heating, and cooling, Moe's Tavern, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Twill in the Dyna Galleria. See you, everybody, on July 24th. Thank you, guys. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. 
Sorry, Brandon, I've lost your text again. Poor Brandon. 